Good morning, church. I'll be your preacher this week. It's nice to see you from my home on this video, or I guess for you to see me. Um, it's been a while since I've uh, been able to be your preacher for a week, and it's the first time I'm going to be able to do that uh, during this time of distancing and of pandemic. Um, I hope that what I'm able to bring to you will be a word of encouragement um, and a word that might sustain you uh, as you go forward through this week. Our tech, the text of our sermon this week will be Psalm 13. I'll be preaching from the 13th Psalm, um, and I will start reading in verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That was Psalm 13. As I was reading this psalm and preparing for the sermon this week, I thought about a story from a time when uh, I lived in Southern California and was running a men's homeless shelter. I think I might have told this story before, but I want to share it with you here again today. And it's the story of a man I got to know named Frank. Frank became homeless after going through a very long and hard divorce process. During that time, he lost a job and lots of money and, and family. Um, and when the divorce got to the place where he can, the process got to the place where he can no longer be at home, he found himself homeless. He didn't know where to go, he didn't know what to do. And eventually, Frank found his way to a church that would let him sleep on their front steps in front of the front door where there was a covering and a light that would keep him out of the weather and keep him safe and relatively dry and warm. The agreement though was that he would be up and gone before folks started showing up in the morning. Well, one Sunday morning, Frank slept in a little bit too long and folks started showing up for Sunday school and for the Sunday service. And there was Frank lying in front of the front door, and people began to uh, disturb him and woke him up, and he had to get out of the way so that people could enter into the church building. And the word from a couple of the members of the church got back to the preacher that this had happened, that they were really uncomfortable with the situation. And so the pastor, the preacher, asked Frank, uh, or told Frank, um, that he could no longer use that space as a space to sleep because it had made members of the church uncomfortable. And this is what caused Frank to find us and find his way into our transitional living shelter. And Frank stayed with us for several months as he got work as a delivery driver and tried to get back up on his feet, um, but was having a really hard time being able to save enough money on the, on the, the salary that he was earning to be able to afford to live on his own in Southern California 
And so he was staying with us longer than he had hoped and he was running into trouble on the job. And one evening when I came in for my shift because shelters run 24 hours a day, uh, I walked by one of our trash bins in the shelter and noticed that Frank's Bible that he kept with him all the time was torn in half and tossed in the trash bin. I happened to see Frank that evening and had a conversation with him and, and he told me that out of frustration, he ripped up the Bible and he threw it away. He told me he'd been doing all the things he could do. He thought he was doing everything right and nothing seemed to be working out for him. He read his Bible on a daily basis. He prayed, he tried to follow the law. He was working hard at his job and he did not understand why his life seemed to be falling apart around him. And so he ripped that Bible up and he threw it away. Later on, I would find that Bible missing out of that trash bin and I would see Frank taping it back together. Uh, and he was embarrassed that he had acted that way and, and he kept that Bible with him until he finally found a place to stay, a place to live, a place to have a home. And I was, as I was reading Psalm chapter 13 and I was thinking about it and meditating on it and praying about it, I kept having Frank's face come back to my mind. And it made me wonder how many of us have ever felt like Frank? How many of us have ever felt like the psalmist who cries out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How many of us have ever been sick and not known what's going on or had a family member whose diagnosis was not coming and wondered, How long must I go on not knowing what is going on? How many of us have felt financial pressures to pay for food or housing or clothes? How many of us have ever had uh, relationships that matter deeply to us, friends and family, just begin to fall apart, unravel at the seams? How many of us have ever felt like screaming out, How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? I mean, it's 2020 that I'm preaching this sermon in. COVID-19 is happening. A pandemic is spreading around the world. We are all isolated and lonely and afraid and unsure of what the future may bring. I'm sure many of us feel daily like the psalmist or like Frank. You know, as I was preparing for this week's sermon, I didn't think only of Frank. I thought of my own 2017. 2017 was the hardest year of my life. I felt a bit like Job. I had one of the great mentors and teachers, spiritual teachers in my life, speak into my life during that year and said, I pray for you like Job's friends prayed for Job. Um, he didn't try to tell me to give up my faith in God or to curse God like Job's friends did, but he said, I see your life and I'm sorry that that is what you're enduring. That was the year that Desiree got sick had a mystery illness that was unable to be diagnosed for a long, long time. We didn't know what it was, but the doctors were telling us uh, several things that might lead to her uh, death in a very short time. We didn't know what was going on. Right before Desiree got sick, my grandfather died of dementia. And during that whole year, my mother was on her deathbed as a devastating illness was slowly causing her bodily systems to shut down one by one. 
during that time in life, I was traveling back and forth multiple times to Hawaii to check on her in her long-term hospice care and make sure she was getting the best care that she could receive. That was a hard, long year where things keep seeming to go wrong and wronger and wronger. And that was just at, the pers at a personal level, in my own personal life. When what's going on in your own life is compounded with the forces of history weighing upon you, it can feel like even more, even more like it is too much, like it is unbearable, like God is refusing to show God's face. The public killing of black folks has been happening in our country for centuries, and it's still happening today. We have been experiencing over the last couple of years a rise in anti-Semitism occurring across our country and across the world. That's something that should make Christians especially concerned because it has been us, it has been people who have borne the name of Christ who have too often been at the center, been the driving force between gross atrocities perpetrated against the Jewish people. Terrorist violence from extremists who live abroad and extremists who live right here in the United States remain an ever-present fear and ever-present danger for too many of us. When the waves of history keep coming generation after generation, it can feel even more like God has abandoned you, like God has abandoned us than when our trials are merely personal, right? When they're compounded with the forces of history and societies, the weight can feel like too much. It's in the context of all of this that I read the 13th Psalm. Old Testament professor Rolf Jacobson says that about one third of the Psalms are Psalms just like this, just like Psalm 13. Their prayers for help. They're psalms of lament. They're songs for what he says are when the bottom drops out. When the bottom drops out of your life, or when it looks like the bottom is dropping out of the world, or when the bottom is dropping out of your faith, that's what these psalms are for. One third of them are psalms just like that. When I think about when the bottom drops out of your life, I think about Hagar, who flees from Abraham and Sarah after being forced to bear Abraham's child, and then being mistreated for doing the very thing that she was forced to do. She flees into the desert because living alone in the desert with her child is better than staying where she is at. And I think about someone for whom the bottom has dropped out of her life. I think about Yochebed, Moses' mother, who is so concerned for her son's safety that she puts him in a river and sends him off, hoping that he will survive and not be slaughtered by the Egyptians. I think about Elijah, who is stuck in a cave in a desert, feeling like he's the last faithful person on earth. I think about Jonah who's in the belly of a fish, 
thinking that God has called him to do an impossible task and not knowing how he'll ever be able to do what God has asked him to do. I think about the portion of scripture in which the Psalms rest, what is often called the wisdom literature, which is full of these kinds of prayers. There's even a whole book called the Lamentations. They are the songs and prayers of the Jewish people living in exile, wondering whether God has ab had abandoned them, had abandoned them for year after year after year after year. And I think about Jesus on the night before he's executed, quoting one of these psalms for when the bottom drops out, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of these stories of people who scream with the psalmist, how long, O Lord, are you going to forget me forever? How long must I bear pain in my soul? Please listen to me and answer me. Oh God, I feel like I've been abandoned. I feel like you are absent. I say all of this. I run through this litany of Bible characters to say to you that if you've ever wondered how long or ever wanted to scream, God, please answer me. Or if you've ever wondered, have you forgotten me, Lord? Know that you're not alone. Know that you are, in fact, in the midst of an all-star team of the faithful. People for centuries have sung the songs for when the bottom drops out. One of the most remarkable parts of the Christian faith, to me, is the incarnation of God in Christ. God shows up in the baby of a poor family in the middle of an imperial occupation, a people who are being persecuted from multiple directions. God shows up in this helpless child to save the world. Christians proclaim foolishly to many other people that God became a human in Jesus of Nazareth a person who lived and died about 2,000 years ago. In many philosophical systems, this idea that God became human is an impossibility. They are mutually exclusive categories of existence. And yet we believe it's true. God became human in an infant in Nazareth. One thing that this claim of our faith teaches us, that God became human, is that we know that God knows what it's like to be a human being. God has been hungry. God has been tired. God has danced at weddings and had friends and cried from sadness. And God, as Jesus, has wondered whether God has forgotten him in his time of greatest struggle and cried out with a psalmist, My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Many theologians throughout the year, reflecting on some of the greatest times of pain and injustice in history, tell us that what we know from the incarnation is not only that God knows what it's like to be human, that God knows what it's like to suffer. It's not just that God can relate to us. It's that God in Christ suffers with us. God accompanies us in our suffering. Christ on a cross is a reminder that we've not been abandoned in our suffering. Rather, we're in the presence of God when we suffer. God bears our suffering with us and will carry us through it to the other side. Importantly, this isn't a promise that God will help us avoid suffering, that God will make sure we never experience it, that God will take it all away so we have a very easy life. Christ invites us not to avoid a life of the cross, but to take it up and follow him. Christians suffer. We suffer because we're humans. It's not that God has promised to take all our suffering and pain and worry and anxiety and fear away. Rather, God promises that God is not going to abandon us in our suffering. God will not force us to bear it alone. God suffers with us, and because God has suffered, we know that God desires resurrection. Christ suffered and was buried, but rose again. COVID-19 might be causing you suffering. Physical suffering, or emotional suffering, or relational suffering, or spiritual suffering. And it's okay to say if that is true, that you are suffering, that it is hard, that you are lonely, that you are hurting, that you are scared, that you feel like God might have abandoned us all to a virus that we can't see. It's okay to say if that's how you feel. It's okay to cry out to God and say, how long, O Lord? But please know as you do that, that you're not abandoned in your fear or anxiety, or pain, or loneliness. You are not abandoned in the midst of a time of a pandemic. God is there with you. The nearly weekly images we have in our media, in our news, in our neighborhoods, of black people experiencing pain and death at the hands of the state, or at the hands of hateful people might be causing you great suffering. As theologians from W.E.B. Du Bois to James Cone have tried to teach us over the years, crucifixion, what Jesus endured, was its own pre-modern pre form of lynching. God knows what it's like to experience unjust suffering and death. And God doesn't abandon you to it. God doesn't abandon you to suffer through it in silence. 
God accompanies and screams out with those as well. In your own life, during this time of great upheaval, you may have lost a job. You might be experiencing family strife or broken relationships or illness or even death in a time of social distancing. And it might make you feel like you're all alone. But please know, God doesn't leave you to suffer in isolation, but God is with you and walks alongside you. It's okay to scream out in pain or anger or frustration like the psalmist, like Jesus. The faithful have done it for years before you came along. But please remember, you are not forsaken in your screams. You are not alone in your pain. Your God is with you and bears your suffering too. And God promises resurrection, even if you can't see it right now. It may be Friday evening in your life and you feel like you are going up on a cross. And it might seem like Sunday morning is far, far away. We do not know when the pandemic ends. We do not know when uh, we know that death is a final word in this life. We know that suffering continues to come. Sunday morning might seem far, far away. But know that Sunday comes. And just as importantly, know that you don't have to endure Friday evening alone. God is there with you. God accompanies you. God bears it with you. We can scream out, how long, O oh Lord, are you going to abandon me forever? But with the psalmist, even as we scream, I hope we can find a place, some comfort in knowing that God is with us and accompanies us through it, and that we would be able to say that we trust in it, that we trusted in your steadfast love, and that our hearts will rejoice in your salvation, and that we will sing to the Lord, because God has been with us all along the way, even when we can't see it, even when the suffering seems like it's too great. Even when it seems like the cross is the last word, it can't be the last word because we know the story of Christ. And it might be hard getting to Sunday morning, but Sunday morning comes and you don't have to try to get there alone because God is with you. Emmanuel, God is with us. May you know comfort and peace and strength by knowing that God hasn't forsaken you but is right there alongside you. Go in peace.